Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Harris, and it is my true honor and pleasure to host you here on the Growth Mindset Podcast. I talk to amazing individuals about how they achieve their dreams and break down the strategies it takes to lead explosive tech businesses to being paid to travel the world. I deep dive into topics such as Bitcoin and fintech or just how to get stuff done with the goal of increasing our own collective wisdom and making us all happier, healthier and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? Hello people, coming at you from the lovely land of Surrey in the south of England today. We uh, yeah, having a crazy heat wave in Britain and um, I feel more like I'm in the south of Italy. Uh, it's a little bit worrying that it's been going on all summer now and um, yeah, global warming is not really the best thing for everything and most stuff seems to be dying. Um, but on a more positive note, I um, have a very, very interesting interview for you today. I am talking to a person known as who I met in New Zealand in a hostel and turns out he was a hacker and he's part of the anonymous hacking group and uh, claims to be involved in the infamous Hack the World Banks uh, hack of 2017, where they brought down a lot of the world banks, which um, is pretty crazy. He's also stolen over 45 Bitcoin. 45 Bitcoin, that's a lot of money. And at the time I was with him, it was worth more like 15 grand a Bitcoin. Right now it's not so much, but who knows, still ridiculous. Anyway, he now spends his time doing ethical hacking services and light-hearted hacks just to expose vulnerabilities and spread, send surprise jokes to people. But he has a very crazy life story and some amazing insights into the world of the dark web and hacking and just great advice of how to secure yourself online. And he's, it's just a really great episode where I think you'll learn a ton and maybe a little, well, maybe you'll learn to be a bit more terrified about the world around you afterwards. Um, I do try to avoid swearing too much on the podcast because it's not really a polite thing to be doing. But this episode does have an unusual amount of the word beginning with F. So if you have children, this might not be the best podcast to listen to with them. Uh, although it is very informative. So if you don't mind them hearing words beginning with F, uh, then carry on listening. Otherwise, you might need to listen to this podcast alone. And on that note, please enjoy my interview from New Zealand with the infamous... Welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. So um, I've just met you here in my hostel room and found out that you're a hacker and you've done cool shit with Bitcoin and Wi-Fi addresses. And yeah, I've made one note to myself to whenever you say something to ask but how because I have a feeling you're going to say a lot of cool shit and I'm just going to be like wow that's amazing and then just move on and be like actually maybe I should work out what it is you've actually just said um and yeah in general I should probably tell you what's going on in the podcast so we like to find cool people that do stuff that's interesting to people that maybe they haven't heard of and find out like how they actually do it and people might want to get into these things so firstly i guess it would be nice to have a bit of an introduction about you all right about me um originally i was from south africa Our parents came here because the crime rate was horrible guns pointed at you almost every day so we gave up that life came here and um, it's been great new zealand's so safe we love it cool um so you left an unsafe country and then you started doing unsafe things <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it unsafe um it was more i didn't really have much to do because 
because you know I've been described as having Asperger, so I'm not really social. Yeah. So my best friend is my computer. So uh, since we got to New Zealand, I got a computer and pretty much spent every single day on it, learning how to program, learning how to create websites, hmm. and then from there, um, I asked my stepdad because he works in IT. I was at 11 at the time. I asked him if it was possible to hack into other computers because I wanted to hack into my school computers to get the test results. Yeah. And he said that it's impossible to hack. So I thought, fuck you, I'm going to try and do it. Nice. So, yeah, so <laughs> since then, every single day I've been trying to learn. Cool. That's well, a good growth mental attitude of, <laughs> oh, I can't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Nice. So um, can you tell me how you, you broke into your school uh, computers? At the time, I didn't, I wasn't able to break into the school computers because I was still learning. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't even know what a network was. So okay. I had no idea how to even connect to on my computer. Yeah. So you didn't actually break into school computers, but you worked, started learning more about hacking and things yeah. than that. So my my first actual, it's not really a hack. It's it's really, it's a shit hack. It's called a DDoS attack, a denial of service. That was my first one I did. So, um, what that does is it brings down websites. It practically just floods a website with too many requests. So it can't handle all of those requests at once. So it shuts down. Okay. And how do you go about setting up a denial of service attack? Um, the one I've got right now, I've programmed it in Python. And essentially what it does is it refreshes the page a thousand times per second. Mm. Now, if you imagine a bus, right? You're lining up for a bus stop and there's five people there. The bus comes, those five people easily go on, get onto the bus, yeah. just like a website. Now, a denial of service attack is putting a thousand people there. So not mm. even can get on the bus. So if you're sure. at the back of the line, you're not going to get on. Cool. Okay. I was wondering, um, just you know, like if you're a magician or something, it's like the magic circle. And like, if you're in, you're in. Like, what would be the level of? Is there like a, a certain thing that once you've ha- done this hack, you're in the circle of hackers? Like, would it be like this another service attack that to be able to call yourself a hacker? Or some people, some people um, call themselves hackers from doing denial of service attacks. Mm. See, I've been with Anonymous, it's an international hacker group, for about five, six years now. And the first attack that they launched was a denial of service attack on the web servers of Scientology. And um, so we, we had awesome. people that were not hackers, didn't know anything that they were doing, and we gave them a program. And that program was low orbit ion cannon. And because they, they didn't really know how to hack, they weren't using a VPN, so their IP wasn't masked. So yeah. even though they were able to bring down the website in a successful hack, they were caught. Yeah. So they didn't know how to stay secure. So it's a it's hard to say when you're in. Yeah. It's when you're in is you've been hacking for a amount of years and you haven't got caught. Yeah. Okay. Are there any okay sort of circles within the hackers? Like have you sort of had like these anonymous emails and be like, oh we're this hacker group you've been hacking for so long with <laughs> you should come join us or something. No, or... see how I got involved with that was it was with Scientology. It all started on Reddit. Yeah. And um people were posting because on Reddit you can post not under your real name. So it comes sure. up as anonymous. So that's where it all started. And then shortly after, we made an IRC channel, which is an instant relay chat. So you get mm. about a thousand hackers at once all on this IRC channel talking to each other from an office. Yes. And then that's when we were planning out all the attack. Cool. So once you're in that circle, you know, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. Um, so if you're a spy or something working for an agency, like as in the CIA or something, and you wanted to stop people hacking, would it be a good place to be on Reddit and pretend to be another hacker and try and get into these groups? Um, if you're working for a spy agency trying to stop hacks, yeah, I would assume you know what you're doing, so you wouldn't need to do that. Okay, but as in to see what the next hack is coming and to be inside those groups kind of thing. Right, yeah. Um, that, that is a good idea to see what, what people are coming up with. Mm. Yeah. yeah is, it, is it hard to trust other people even when they say, 
say there are hackers online. Different. You could have a five-year-old go on the IRC channel yeah. and say he's done this and that, and you just don't know whether to believe him or not. Yeah. Is Do you use any screening questions to like get people to prove who they are before you trust them with anything, or you just have no trust at all? Um, yeah, we don't have trust. The, the trust comes with being with Anonymous for a while. So you, yeah. you get to know we have handles, so our, we use fake names online. So you start to get an idea of how that person, like, what's he like? What's mm. his name? So you can build trust with them. It's just if you knew and you go into the IRC channel, no one will trust you. Yeah. If you knew and you go onto the channel and you say, hey, guys, let's do this, no one will do it. Sure. But if you've been with them, if you help them out and if they know they can trust you, then you can do stuff like that. Yeah. So if you're new and you join and you aren't too sure about what you're doing, how likely is it that someone will give you an idea that actually ends up with you being hacked? Like, a, oh, how do I do this? And they sort of send you some software that actually... Yeah, very high. I've, I've done it before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. you tell me how that happened? Um, so the, there's multiple ways. You can make them go to a phishing website. Yeah. So, uh, for example, you can tell them to check out this news website. So they go and type in that address, but it takes them to a fake Facebook login. It says, please log on to Facebook to continue this to the site. Yeah. And then they log on. So you've got mm. the password. And the newbies, they, they don't know how that works. So they, yeah. they won't be able to tell a phishing site from an actual site. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, okay. So backtracking a bit. So what then took you in the process from you first started learning about hacking at school to then where you are now? Well, so I guess the next stage of you started learning a bit then at school so you carried on doing the rest of school and then No, I, I dropped out of school because um, you know I was at high school we were learning about English and maths and all these irrelevant subjects and in my head I wanted to be in IT so high school wasn't cutting it for me I didn't learn English so I dropped out and spent every day learning program. Okay, so what age did you drop out? I dropped out at Okay, and you just started making money online instantly um i started off with hacking people hacking paypal accounts yeah um just for a bit of fun so i got money that way and then it got to a point where i was like a lot of my mates were getting arrested like for example one of the guys had the police station and he got sent to jail and after that i thought fuck i could go to jail next week if i did something wrong so that's when i started going along the lines of i can approach companies and still hack them but then secure them Mm. and teach them how to stay secure so they can not get hacked okay so uh, a bit. So, how did your friend get caught for hacking into a police station? When you join a network, right, your phone has what you call a MAC address. Mm-hmm. And a MAC address is pretty much like a fingerprint to a device. So, when he hacked a police network, he used his own MAC address. So, he broke onto the network and the DHCP server logged his MAC address. So, mm-hmm. that's how they're able to find him. They're able to see what type of phone was used to do the hack. Yeah. And then, I don't know how they did it in the end, but because of that MAC address, they went to his house, um, tested his router to see if that it had the same MAC address. Yeah. And obviously it did. So sure. that's that's how they got the proof. So if he wanted to do that again, could he have changed the way he did it to oh, protect himself? So, for example, I can clone your MAC address right now. Mm. Go and hack the police web servers. And then you'll get arrested for that. Okay. Uh, to someone that doesn't know much about what does that mean exactly? So cloning a MAC address, um, how do you explain? When you connected, for example, this network here at the backpackers, it's called the Zenboom. So you connect and then you type in the code to have internet access. When you type in that code, it sends it to the DCHP server. And that server recognizes your MAC address, which is your fingerprint. Yeah, and just to clarify, MAC address is any computer, not actually your Apple MAC address. Yeah, it's, it's anything. So your phone will have its own MAC address. Yes. This computer will have its own MAC address. Mm. It's all different. Okay. So the server... So it's like your own ID, like you have a passport, I have a passport. Yeah, it's, it's essentially your phone's finger. Yeah. Because um, technically no MAC, you won't get a duplicate of a MAC address. They're all different. 
different, mm. but you can cloud MAC addresses. Yeah. And how you do that, for example, in this network, this is how we can get free internet, mm. is if you join the network and if you type in your code to have internet, the DCHP server recognizes the code and says, okay, this MAC address, your one, has, say, a gig of data. Yeah. What a hacker can do is scan the network, see what's connected to the network, and also its MAC address. So I can pick yeah. up your MAC address and clone it, then join the network so the network thinks I'm your device and I have internet. Cool. So yeah, when you places that don't require an actual password, but it's just whatever MAC address you have, you have like just a limit. Like if you're in, or like you have like a 30 minute free, you're in the airport or something. Yeah. You can just put a random new MAC address on your thing so you can just fake it. Yeah. And so that's a lot easier than scanning for other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, the only yeah. reason why you'd scan is if you have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's really cool because quite often you're like in train stations and they have like a paid for service as well. Yeah. And like, you get unlimited if you pay, so it doesn't actually hurt the other person. <laughs> and, and then you have like way better internet. I'm going to learn to do that. Cool. Thanks. It's really simple. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Maybe I'll put that in the note. Um, okay. So anyway, back to the story. Your friends are getting arrested and you start getting scared. What do you think that you've ever come really close to getting caught? I, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, I posted an anonymous video a couple of years okay. ago on YouTube. It was related to a politician called Peter Dunn. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, see, his son worked with the synthetic um, drugs. Yeah. So he was a lawyer for it. So we had this big idea that Peter Dunn didn't want to legalize marijuana because his son would lose profit. Mm. So we posted a video um, to Peter Dunn, and at the time there was this kid in hospital called Alex Renton. He was in an induced coma. He had something wrong with his, something happened in his brain. He ended up dying, but his family wanted him to get medical cannabis as a last resort, to, just to try it out. Sure. And um, so we, we posted a video to Peter Dunn saying, hey, you either give it to us or expect, expect to be happy. Yeah. Anyway, um, Alex got medical cannabis, and um, I went to Peter Dunn the following day at a place called backbenches where mm-hmm. politicians used to do radio tv interviews and um because i knew he didn't know i posted the video i asked him has he seen it and he said yeah it's been passed into the gcsb which is the nsa of new zealand sure. but, um, yeah it was pretty fucked up so that's the closest i would say i've been caught is the gcsb have a video i posted and they're trying yeah. to track me and you instantly went and asked about it yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes putting yourself in plain view can be kind of protected but you think if no one else it even knows about this video. Well, it gets posted online, but it's still... Yeah, so no, no one knew it was me. Yeah. Just the whole idea. And I posted it with VPN, so mm. they couldn't trace it back. Okay, and then you did just say all the specifics and now I've spoken about it on the podcast. Are you worried about then releasing that if he ever listened to this? I could just deny it. Good point. Okay, as long as you feel right. Have you gone a lot into um legal... Sorry, my computer... Have you done a lot of like legal research just to sort of see how to protect yourself specifically so you know what you can and can't say when talking about things? No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, does that worry you? That you see, I, I can sure. talk about hacking all day and every hack I've done. And you can go to the police, for example, and tell them everything. Yeah. But there's no way that they can prove that back to me. Sure. For example, um, yeah, I can do a hack from your MAC address. You go okay. to the police, you'll get arrested for it. Yeah. Okay. But what if you done something crazy serious that say you admitted to um i don't know being the person that launched stuxnet or something super huge and then like the ceo like fuck we're just gonna like arrest this guy and even if we haven't got full evidence or i guess you just haven't done that doesn't really matter so maybe this is a null question <laughs> I, I haven't done there's no way i've done stuxnet but i have done ransomware yeah um not me personally i've coded ransomware into a usb stick that acts as a keyboard wow so um, I saw that to a guy with a brain tumor up in New Plymouth. Um, the only reason I sold it to him was he has a family. Yeah. And, you know, he wants to leave this a bit of money. Okay. So I was like, fuck it. 
I can sell you some ransom with. That's kind of like Robin Hood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. So a day after I sold it to him, I yeah. looked on the new stuff.co.nz. You can have a look at um, Yeah. Uh, he launched on a taxi company. So yeah, taxi service got hit with the ransomware I, I programmed. Wow, that's cool. Uh, what was the name of that website? Stuff.co.nz. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff.co.nz. So if you Google um, stuff taxi hat, yeah. it'll come up. That was stuff, not stuff. Yeah, S-T-U-F-F. Cool. Okay, I'll do that. Um, all right, so now going forwards, what are you doing? So you say you now run a ethical hacking business. Yeah, so um, since my friend got arrested for hacking the police, I thought, you know, the next one could be me. If I mm. do one little mistake, and it's it's... The thing about hacking is it's not hard to hack. It's more hard as staying anonymous and staying hidden. Yeah. So you could just have one small slip up. Or, for example, you could be taking down a website and if your VPN disconnects and you're still launching an attack, they've got your IP address. Yeah. So anything could happen and then you could get sent to jail. Sure. So I started thinking, I still love hacking. Like I'm really good at it. So why don't I try and use it for something good? So I started a company called which is in so what we do is we audit companies and we hack them like a black hack hacker. Mm. So we do anything we can to gain access to their servers, their computers, or their website. And if we do, we we're, tell them how we're able to access it and how they can stay secure. Cool. Yeah, that sounds uh, much better for <laughs> humanity. Do you have the idea of like the example client or do, could it be anyone like super small, super big? Um, one example client, it was actually a company I used to work for called The Kingsington. Um, okay, it's a brothel, but I wasn't... I wasn't <laughs> I was doing their IT shit nice. so I was installing the cameras and whatnot. but the thing is with that company the managed so-called manager um, yeah. his wife actually owned the company but the guy he pretended to run it so he told me he was a man yeah. I was like alright whatever but it turns out he was using the company's money to buy himself crack <laughs> so he soon got fired and yeah. because he he was the admin of the website he thought it would be a good idea to say that the company was closed so we didn't get any customers so I was the guy who hacked back into that website stole it back from him logged him out yeah now the company's running fine yeah. nice <laughs> everybody's happy yeah so that's that's a good client yeah then that's like a typical client then <laughs> a typical client is you know we have a sales team in Wellington and they go up to companies and say hey mm. is your company secure and most of the time they say yeah and they say well we can hack you free and yeah. if we're able to hack you um, we'll charge you to, to patch the vulnerability yeah okay cool and have you tried doing that with any big companies like a not big airline companies. or anything cool um airline what, what's cool about airlines is you can just hack it for fun yeah. like you know those little tvs at the back of the seat mm-hmm. um i plugged in the usb and was able to get facebook open on, on the screen okay yeah nice um you know how airlines often you'll like you'll search on an airline and it'll come up with like a price and you're like shit i want to get this and then you like you talk about it and then go like half an hour later and the price is like twice the price and you're like yeah. fuck <laughs> is there a way to um get back to the original price or even a cheaper price there's not a way to to make the server go back um, but what you can do is use programs like for example burp suite and what that does is it intercepts whatever you do so for example if you press search flight sorry if you book a flight mm-hmm. uh, let's say it was 200 dollars ticket to wellington and then you press book and then the page will refresh to another page but yeah. before it does that all that data has gone through that program burp suite and you can edit every field that it has so you can say okay the price originally was 200 but needed it to be two dollars mm. so then the server thinks it's two dollars yeah so you're not changing anything on the server you just changing what gets posted back to it okay and that works sometimes um it, it won't work on uh, just an example yeah of how you how you do it that you have to edit the data before it gets sent to yeah the server. cool interesting um 
Okay. So you say you now have a company. So you, how many employees have you got? I've got two at the moment. Okay. How do you go about recruiting? That's the thing. I never really thought of it. I actually met this guy at a pub yeah. in Wellington. He, he's an old guy. And he said he was going to an interview. He was a sales agent. And I was like, well, if you can sell, how about I try you out? Yeah. And um, turns out he has a massive customer base. Yeah. So um, he's really my main guy. And then I've got this other guy, Jake. He's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps out a lot as well. Just going around to companies, asking them about their websites. Okay, cool. So in terms of your growth strategy, it's just getting more salespeople? So yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm planning. I originally came down to Christchurch in hopes to get a new sales team. Um, but I mean, at a backpackers, partying every night with everyone, yeah, haven't really got fun. time to do that. Nice. So is the actual hacking part quite fast in terms of that's not your limit right now? It's more just getting more customers. Yeah. So with a hack, 20 minutes and we're in a company. Yeah. So couldn't you just start hacking companies and just sort of say, oh, we're ethical hackers and just start going around like a list of them? And I've started and doing that. Sales? Um, I did one a couple of days ago, uh, New Zealand Psychologist Board. Yeah. Um, I found out that their web servers are vulnerable to SQL injection. So what that means is we can gain access to the whole database. So we can get all their credentials, we can get people's phone numbers, addresses, emails, and you know everything that the site has in the whole database we can have. So I emailed them saying that they have a SQL vulnerability, and that was last week, and I haven't had anything back. Now, the thing is with that is that gives them ammo to go to the police and say that they're Yeah, right. okay, so it's better to have qualified leads that yeah. actually want to be hacked rather than, <laughs> yeah. than just going and hacking randomly. Because, yeah, I get kind of... And then another one I did like that was a company called Jeeves Scaffolding in Wellington. Yeah. Um, this was completely out of the blue. I was using this a $60 phone. Wow. Bought at the warehouse. I walked past the company. They had a secure encryption with their router. It was yeah. WPA. And literally just walking past them, I was able to break into the network. Wow. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I went into the company and told them about it, but I was shaking because they, they could have just turned around the police. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. Like sometimes when people, well, I haven't heard of something exactly like that, but sometimes you see people making like a massive mistake and you just want to tell them, but sometimes they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> they think you're a dick and you're like, well, do I just sort of tell you like <laughs> you're about to completely fuck everything up? And yeah. I'm trying to think of a specific example, but yeah, it's a lot safer that feeling. Asking them to if, if we can hack them first, then yeah. going, "Hey, we hacked you," and then they like, "Oh fuck, we got hacked." Yeah, yeah, so just put you on the defensive, like, yeah, fuck. Okay, so you haven't recruited any other hackers then yet? I do have a hacker. Um, he's in he's in Auckland at the moment. He's also part of Anonymous, and I I've been talking to him for about three years now. So I've built up a lot of trust with him. Um, mm. so when we get a customer that has a web server that they want to order. If I can't do it, I'll pass it on to him to see what he can. Sure. Okay. Um, so you haven't really got any specific interview-style questions or anything then? No. I've, I've never interviewed before. Mm. For this. I've, I've only given the position to people who I, that I know and who I yeah. can trust. Sure. Um, but on a more surface level of just when you meet people, do you have any favorite questions just to turn things into a more interesting conversation or to get deeper rather than talking about random like oh, where are you from what's your stuff when um for example the guy that does this, does my sales i he told me that he was having an interview for a sales company so i asked mm. him hey how long have you been in sales for and um yeah he said he's been in sales for about 30 years so instantly i was like he's probably got a huge customer base yeah so i asked him hey what's your customer base like and he said he's got a massive list of people and i said if i told you to sell me a website could you do it for me today and he said you can call about 30 people right now i was like sweet that's that's good enough for me okay because I'm, I'm not paying them per hour or anything yeah um, i'm only paying them if they sell 
So if he sells a website for two thousand dollars, he gets a hundred commission. Sure. Okay. Um, interesting. Uh, in terms of generally just going a bit more into hacking and things, then quite interesting. How, if I wanted to start learning, what would you recommend I start doing? Learn how a network functions. If you don't know how a network functions, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult for you. Because if when you know how a network works. You know how devices communicate to each other. You know what ports they use. Yeah. And then from there, you can fuck around with those and break it. Okay, cool. Uh, do you have any favorite tutorials or is it all so long ago that you... Tutorials? Um, I've actually posted my own tutorial online. Yeah? Oh. Uh, favorite tutorials are a YouTube channel called Hack5. And um, Hack5 is where I got that little Wi-Fi pineapple from. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Can you explain what a Wi-Fi pineapple is? A Wi-Fi pineapple is a, a device that's almost like a router. So I'll use this as an example. Your phone or your computer. When you go home at night, it automatically connects to your router mm-hmm. because your router is on its PNL list, which is a third network list. So your phone is always constantly searching, hey, home network, are you available? Hey, office network, are you available? Because it's connected before. What the Wi-Fi Pineapple does is it picks out those beacon requests and says, yeah, I'm your home network, connect to me. Sure. So your phone connects to the Wi-Fi Pineapple and from there, no, all their internet's going through that. So you can mm-hmm. see what they're browsing and see the photos that they see. Um, you can strip the SSL, which means when they log on to Facebook, you can have those credentials. Yeah. Or you can make them go to a web server, download a payload, which allows your remote access and you can get onto the web camera or install ransomware. Okay, cool. And so but if I have a Wi-Fi pineapple, does that mean I instantly have a user interface, just click button, yeah. strip thing, or... Yeah, so it's a user or... interface. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't actually know what they're doing. So if, could you do quite a lot of hacking without actually being a good coder? Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay, that's kind of good but kind of worrying like for that's... example right now i can teach you hacks that don't require any programming and i can make you break into a web server or hack into someone's computer okay let's go through both of those <laughs> how do i break into a web server um these are a lot of different ways um how do you explain it like these sql for example the one i did most recently mm-hmm. with sql what you want to do is when a web server has uh for example at the end of a url you see php equals id1 right have yeah. you ever seen that yes now if you take away the one so php equals apostrophe mm-hmm. that that fucks up the web server so if there's a vulnerability in the sql it'll come back with an error saying you have an error in your sql database now if you use a program called sql map or sql ninja you're able to access their database and then these these other these a whole lot like these burp suite um these ddos attacks you can brute force the admin you can have phishing websites mm. like the first day i came here um i hosted a phishing site yeah um with senbu login but the oh. thing is with that i didn't get any login so I started learning yeah. MAC addresses. Yeah. And as you can tell, I used all your internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that was funny one day. <laughs> logged on and then sort of, yeah, did like one thing and then <laughs> logged on a bit later. All my internet was gone. <laughs> and now I know why. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. My friend actually went to start doing a, like a host your own phishing so people could just um, log right. in and like build their own phishing scam to do stuff. But then it was like, okay, maybe people are going to do this for bad things. So yeah. we, did, we didn't do it, um, which is good. Anyway, you were then going to tell me about um, how to hack into a PC. How to hack into a PC. Um, again, there's many ways. The two main ways I do it is using the Wi-Fi Pineapple or using a program called Armitage. Okay. So 
Essentially, you use them together, Armitage and the Wi-Fi Pineapple. So with the Wi-Fi Pineapple, you would make their computer, for example, Zenbu, right? Mm -hmm. When you click Join Network, it takes you to their login page. That's what you call a landing page. So with the Wi-Fi Pineapple, you can have your own landing page that downloads payload in the background, and it goes straight onto the running services. And that payload allows you to access the computer via command line. Yeah. So once you're on the command line, you can look at any file that they have on their computer, add files, delete files, access the web camera. Okay, cool. So uh, to protect myself, I should try and keep things online then? <laughs> so to, to protect yourself from that is when you're out in town, Yeah. keep your Wi-Fi off. Don't join public networks. Yeah. When you're at home, when you join your home network, make sure that it's, it's not a duplicate home network. For example, home routes are one. Okay, you, you would want to make sure that there's only one of those. If yeah. there's two of those, there's a chance someone's cloning your home router in hopes you're connecting to them, thinking wow. you're connected to your home router. Okay, cool. And then another way is, I see at the backpackers, a lot of people leave their laptops open. Yeah. And they leave the room for a few seconds. Mm. That's all it will take for me to plug in a USB. Three seconds later, I've got shell access to that computer. Okay. So this USB stick acts as a keyboard. So it essentially types Windows R to bring up a run box, types a PowerShell script to bring up um, the terminal on an admin level, and then tells the computer to connect to Micah. Yeah. All in three seconds. And then you unplug the USB, but you still got access. Yeah, so you no. unplug the USB... So it looks like nothing's wrong with that computer. Yeah. Come back to it thinking nothing happened. But, oh, shit. you know, I'm on I'm on their computer. Yeah. So also, because some PCs you can say, so when you shut the lid, it doesn't actually stop as well. Yeah. Um, but when you shut the lid, it usually locks it. Yeah, yeah, usually. But I can set it on my Mac so it actually it carries on running and never even yeah, you, you gets don't, you don't get stopped by. Yeah. So that would be like a really bad thing to do. Whenever you're not action. around your computer or your phone, have it all disconnected from a new Yeah. Mic. So, um... I'll admit, I turned my computer off last night because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we had a conversation about Bitcoin and like, I hadn't, I was only briefly in it for five minutes, but I had said that I had like a lot of different exchanges in like a wallet and was like, shit, this guy's just admitted to like stealing a lot of Bitcoin. And I just mentioned I have like lots of different like, exchanges. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll turn my computer off and it'll be fine. <laughs> no, um, you see, with hacking, because a lot of my friends have got arrested, yeah. I won't hack people that I, I tell them hack. Yeah. Because you can go to the police and tell them. Even though there mm. might be a chance I won't get arrested, it's because you have that initial evidence of, hey. Yeah, yeah, it's just initial. Yeah. So, forget, like, so if I'm targeting someone, they will have no idea about it. Okay. Um, so would you say that's probably your number one tip for staying secure is just always be like really distant away from the person that you is you're hacking? No, I can, I, for example, oh. daily in, in Wellington when I catch the bus into town, Yeah. I usually route everyone on the bus through the Wi-Fi pineapple. Yeah. And I display a message on the phone usually saying, you've been hacked to regards anonymous. <laughs> or if I'm at a library, for example, I can get most of the library connected to me. Yeah. Unless the library's quiet, I find it funny if I play gay porn on computers. <laughs> so all of a sudden you just hear this. <laughs> wow okay well that's nice um <laughs> you're not worried that maybe there'll be like young children and stuff in the library or <laughs> yeah they could be but it's not my problem okay <laughs> that's amazing um cool just for a bit of fun and uh another thing is mcdonald's as well yeah you, know, you join mcdonald's free wi-fi and then all of a sudden you've got a page coming up saying you want a free big yeah yeah you're gonna take that to front camera <laughs> it's really funny nice. tricking people that's well good <laughs> So a lot, of, a lot of shit I do is is pranks. 
Yeah. And I do it in such a way that it can't get traced back to me. Sure. Okay. What was the first prank you ever did? My first prank? Probably just shutting down those computers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My friend had that. I remember when I was like 14 or something, he had like a USB that like, he plugged in and like your computer just went like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, oh I'm shutting down. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, mate, what have you just done? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And another one is um, you can write like literally four lines of code and save it as a .exe mm. and you can have stuff pop up like you can have massive amounts of notepad just randomly pop yeah. up and internet things pop up and then it shuts down yeah. I used to do that to my friends and send them those payloads so they would click it and I think they have a virus in the computer but it just shuts it down and restarts and it's fine cool yeah it's kind of um, <laughs> uh, what would you say is the biggest risk you've ever taken biggest risk I've taken was with Anonymous um, it was an operation called Op Icarus at the time we were, um, we were taking down banking sites um, we took down Rothschilds we took down Central Bank of America uh, banks around the UK banks around Europe and what we were doing is we were just DDoSing their servers so no one could do any online banking but a couple of people got arrested for that and spent 10 years in jail yeah so that that's probably one of the most riskiest things I've done but when they arrest people like that do they try and give them reduced time for for ratting giving, out the other yeah, people yeah, yeah um, there was this guy with Anonymous his name is Hector Monsega mm. his handle was Sabu and he was around when Anonymous started he was fucking great then he got caught by the FBI and he had a family so the FBI said you're going to spend life in prison or you're going to work for us yeah. become an informant so he was like fuck it I'll work for you guys and I'll become an informant and yeah. then he went on to the web chat and he ratted out a whole bunch of people Shit. yeah so if, if you go on That's the web right. chat now with yeah. the handle Sabu you're going to get a lot of hate yeah Okay, so it's hard to yeah trust people and tell them anything about yourself. Yeah, and, so that that's why you don't need to really tell people who you are. Mm. Yeah. Do you know much about any recent hacks lately that have been going on? Like the the one last year that sort of took down NHS and loads of people. It was like a ransom. Oh, wanna cry and yeah, and yeah. There's a couple of ransomware attacks. Yeah, no, I, I knew about that. Uh, it originally came from apparently South or oh, North Korea. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So they just wanted to fuck up everything they could. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't. I didn't really look too much into it because I thought it'd be fucking awesome. Because that's the time I made my ransomware. Yeah. It was after that had happened. I was like, this is a great idea. So instead of researching about that, I researched my own ransomware. Mm. And I made my own ones, but my ransomware was more localized, so it didn't hop around on servers. Um, yeah. Except for the taxi ransomware. So he plugged it in to the server. It sent a payload to Christchurch. Yeah. So New Plymouth and Christchurch got attacked. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. So I'm actually going going to North Korea in uh, in a few weeks. Crazy. <laughs> Do you think I should try and install some ransomware <laughs> to get take them back? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I would say be, be careful there because I know a lot of hackers yeah. around those areas and, mm. you know, those guys are fucking amazing. They have fake cell phone towers. Yeah. So you could be texting people making a phone call but a hacker could be intercepted. Wow. And that happens all. So basically, if you're not entirely sure what you're doing, just stay away. Yeah. <laughs> Keep safe. And the, the crazy thing about hacking is most of it goes unnoticed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you could be making a phone call thinking, you know, it's all secure, but a hacker's listen. Or if you text your credit card details, boom, it's going to get out the next day. Yeah, scary. Um... Yeah, I actually worked on oil rigs for a while and was actually very ethically against it, apart from the fact that it was just super interesting to go there and like learn about the industry. But I was like, <laughs> if I knew more, it was like quite tempting to try and do like a Stuxnet or something just to like, take them, them all down. But I was like, fuck it, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> See, I'm pretty sure Stuxnet was the one with the nuclear power plant. Yeah, it was nuclear power plants. Yeah, they, um, it was almost like an AI. It, it 
read um, the fans and how fast the fans were going. Yeah. And then it made fans go way too fast. And it told the system that the fans were spinning normally. Yeah. And then um, core of the fan broke. Yeah, it's quite cool. But I remember, yeah, it was sort of, it was really cool they did that, but the technology behind getting it to spread and stuff was like kind of cooler than the actual problem that they then did. And it's kind of like, well, they could have done something much cooler with that. (laughs) Yeah. Because once they found it, they fixed it. And then it was was then kind of more public, like how they did it. And so everyone now has access to that. Seemed a bit silly. So, um, yeah, I guess going on to cryptocurrencies, how did you hack and end up with cryptocurrencies? So we would find out people who have cryptocurrencies and we would make sure that they don't know who we are. Yeah. We would go with the Wi-Fi pineapple outside their house. Um, then we would monitor their internet usage. And if they have a, a wallet that's online, um, mm. we could pick up that website that they're going to. So we could clone that website and then we'd yeah. kick them off their internet, route them through the Wi-Fi pineapple. And you know, when they browse, for example, coinbase.com, yeah. we can make that website route to our phishing sure. so they think they're on Coinbase but they're on my phishing server then they wow. log in yeah. and you have their credentials but most of the time they use two-factor authentication Yeah. so with that we have to get the email as well okay yeah, I was going to ask how do people protect themselves when they're um, using these things, like doing the cryptocurrencies? The yeah, best thing to do is use two-factor authentication because if someone has your, your wallet password and you don't have two-factor authentication, they can straight away break into it. Yeah. If you use two-factor authentication, it either sends a text to your phone yeah. or an email. Sure. So if you're... Um... So it's unlikely that you'd ever be able to find like a Bitcoin whale or something just because they'd be too protected. Sorry? You know, like um, the term whale, someone that has like a buttload of Bitcoins right. or something. It's unlikely for you to ever be able to hack someone like that because they'd probably know what they're doing and be too protected for you. No, um, a lot of the time they don't know what they're doing. They just yeah. think it's a new phase, invest a lot of money into Bitcoin. And like the guy with the brain tumor saw that ransomware too. Yeah. Um, he's now gotten to a lot of Bitcoin accounts from that ransomware. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Are you tempted to go somewhere that is like a bit of a Bitcoin sort of hub just for a weekend and try and make a shit ton of money and like run away um no because at the moment i've got 85 bitcoin oh that's all right so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort <laughs> of shit. bitcoin and yeah I'm, I'm staying away from the black hat hacking yeah yeah probably just be very content with what you've got <laughs> yeah and i don't want to be too greedy because yeah yeah there's no point before. yeah that's fine and maybe yeah if it does go up to like 100 grand a bitcoin yeah <laughs> i'm sort of flawed. and if not i'd still be tempted to sell like a few at this point because like yeah it's already worth lots and that'd be nice Holy shit. Cool. Uh, how much of that was stolen then? Probably about half of it. Wow. And th- this was when Bitcoin was sort of first coming out. Yeah. So it was well, a couple cents and it was 200 to $400. Yeah. So people would put like their weekly pay into it and get like yeah. five, six Bitcoin. And then uh-huh. like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to take it. So I got about 40 odd minutes from doing that. Yeah. Yeah, about three years ago. Okay. So you haven't done that recently and such? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that'd be pretty scary trying to <laughs> yeah. take that much Bitcoin right now. It's like suddenly a lot of money. Yeah. Ah, well, that was an <laughs> interesting thing to invest in back then. Did you have any clue that it might be going up at the time? Were you like, this is a good investment. I'm going to get some Bitcoin. It was just like, oh, this is kind of funny. Yeah, I had no idea. You see, I was still at home living with parents and I didn't really go out much. All I, all I did was go to work, home, program. And yeah. I had a lot of disposal. I was like, fuck it. I wonder what will happen if I put into Bitcoin. Mm. So I started buying Bitcoin and it went from a few cents and the price went up and up and up and my money started doubling. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, fuck, what if I hack other people's Bitcoin accounts? Yeah. So I can just get as much as I can. Nice. That's cool. Uh, and the world of cryptocurrency then, now that things have changed a lot more, what do you think is going to be the biggest cryptocurrency I'm, I'm actually looking at monero and ripple at the moment yeah monero because it's one of the most secure ones 
So if, if I have Monero, it's, it's hard to trace it, essentially. Mm. But lately, I haven't been doing a lot of research into cryptocurrency, to be honest with you. Yeah, it changes pretty fast. Though. Yeah. I mean, tomorrow, you know, it goes up, down, left, right, and yeah. sideways. Yeah. It's definitely worth having some and forgetting about it. Yeah. <laughs> and waiting a couple of years. Yeah. Unless you really need to actually use it, which... It's not really that useful yet. So, <laughs> I um I was staying at Juicy Rentals when I first came down here. Oh, yeah. And he was a guy with me. Um, his name was Joe. And one of his close friends down in Christchurch, he buys MDMA from the dark web. Mm. And he uses Bitcoin to purchase it. So he gets at $11 per gram. And in New Zealand, it sells 300 grams. So we nearly made a deal with $50,000. Yeah. So I was going to give him a shitload of Bitcoin for $50,000. Yeah. But the problem with, with that was I didn't trust him. And he was yeah. like, he was bigger than the fucking rock. <laughs> So I thought, if I transfer a couple Bitcoin into his account, yeah. and if he says no, he's not going to pay me, I'm fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he'll knock me out with a high five. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to stay away. <laughs> yeah. It's risky. Um, yeah, pretty scary. Nice. Um, are you tempted to do any different form of business, like a cryptocurrency startup or anything, or are you just very happy with hacking? With cryptocurrency startups, you need a shitload of money to start it up. Like, yeah. You need billions to start it up. And Bitcoin wallets get hacked all the time, and I mm. don't... I don't want that to my startup. So I'm, I'm going to stay well away from creating my own Bitcoin startup sure. and just focus on hacking companies and then trying to secure them. Okay, that's like a good plan. Um, okay, then what in the world worries you most? What in the world worries me most? Yeah. Spiders. Really? Yeah. I'm fucking terrified of spiders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, um, you see, with hacking, you get to a certain point where you've done too much, there's no going back. Yeah. So I'll be honest, like a couple months ago, I was hospitalized. I was put on antidepressants and whatnot. I was speaking to a psychiatrist for ages about hacking because I was just worried I was going to get caught and yeah. literally spend the rest of my life in jail. And they put me on sertraline for a couple of weeks and then I started fucking cutting myself and actually hung myself at one point. Oh, that's and I was extreme. put into an induced coma for a couple of days and came out of it and I just thought, fuck it, anything could happen. Yeah. So it doesn't really worry me as much anymore because I could be dead right now. Mm. I'm essentially on board time, so I don't care what happens. Wow, that's mental. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you seem to be a lot more positive now. <laughs> yeah. Crikey. Um, but yeah, it did used to scare me a lot, thinking yeah. every night, thinking it's hard, it was hard to go to sleep knowing. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a drug or a drug it, addiction. It is, definitely is. Because I definitely, I had a lot of friends back when I was 16, 17, started getting into drugs and sure, I took drugs as well and it was fun. Yeah. But then you just notice like some people just start taking them every day and some people start like trying to deal with them and sell them and they're the ones that start getting arrested and you're like, well, maybe I don't need to go any further into this world. And yeah. So you know, like that with the hack. Once you've gone down that path for a yeah. long time, it's no going back. Yeah, it's like a really hard route back. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. Starting with Anonymous doing, taking down banking websites and this and that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so exciting but also like shit. And knowing that people that were doing the same hacks as me were getting 10 years in prison yeah yeah it's meant yeah cool well yeah i'm really really happy to hear that you're doing ethical hacking and stuff and now um cool so what do you think general i'm just, uh, interested in the future what do you think the world's going to be like in five years time i haven't thought of it that much i i live more day to day yeah but in five years time um i reckon automation and ai is going yeah. to have a huge impact on on our everyday lives it's going to be more it's, it sounds crazy but robotics taking over everything like if you had said that five years ago um for example robots will take over our jobs people will think you're nuts Mm. If you go to New World now, you get your self-service checkout. Yeah. yeah they, they replace people with a machine that does Definitely. it for you. So I think a lot of it's can towards that way. And with machines, it's free. It doesn't fuck up and it sticks mm. you know, to 
to to what it's supposed to do. It doesn't deviate from it. Yeah, and it doesn't go on a rest or a smoking break or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Loads and I mean, like us, yeah. Google has came up with an AI that created its own baby AI. Yeah. So this artificial intelligence programmed its own baby out of intelligence, and it programmed it more efficient as well. Mm. So no human could have programmed it that way, and it's it's more efficient than any other code. So like knowing that in five years time, you know when AI is running its own code that humans can't even understand. Yeah. Like that that's when it gets scary. Sure. Uh, does that not worry you for your startup if you're not just going to be able to keep up at all with the hack when things can start being much more secure because the AI can make it secure? I'm actually working on an AI at the moment with a hack. Yeah. So essentially you can tell, like my home automation, you can tell Jarvis to turn on the lights or, or whatever. I'm trying to work on a module where you say, Jarvis, gain access to the Apple computer on the network. Yeah. Take a screenshot of, of, the, um, of the screen for me. Sure. So that's what I'm working on right now. Cool. So e- even though that stuff's being more secure, I'm trying to work on ways to attack that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the you know the Red Queen hypothesis. No. So it's um it's a it's a good book by Matt Ridley, but it's basically it was sort of all about evolution and um you know Alice in Wonderland. There's like a, the Red Queen, and at one point Alice is running really fast trying to get somewhere, and the Red Queen is just sort of in front of her being like, "You're gonna have to run twice as fast if you ever want to go like any further forward." And she's basically constantly going backwards whilst she's trying to go forwards. And it's basically whilst you're innovating and beating whatever you're competing with is also going to be innovating against you. So if you evolve like a better way to like like faster reactions so you can avoid the predator the predator's going to evolve faster reactions or yeah yeah this yeah. kind of stuff so you feel like you'll be able to keep up then i'm trying i don't, I don't <laughs> know if I, like the level of sophistication that those that software has is fucking incredible mm. so i mean if, if an ai can make its own baby ai it, it'll be fucking easy for it to be like okay let's make this ai program something to make sure this network cannot be hacked yeah and it could the ai could even make it draw into honey Pot. So if you hack the network, you're not hacking that network. The AI picks it up and draws you into a honeypot where it gathers every bit of information on your computer, hacks your computer, and then reports it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, so many different things I want to talk about. Um, but yeah, can you just explain honeypot? When I first heard the term honeypot, it was literally two days ago, and I thought it was... You know how, like, ethical hackers, they just have, like, bounty. I yeah. thought Honeypot was a bounty. Oh, Because no, no. <laughs> it sounds the exact same kind of thing. So I go, oh, yeah, cool. If I can hack this, I get into the Honeypot. And I do. Right. But the Honeypot is <laughs> apparently the opposite thing, if you could explain. So it's um a module I've got on my home automation at the moment. A Honeypot is... When you try and hack into a network or a, or a website or a computer, a Honeypot... <laughs> imitate that it imitates the yeah. network so you think you're breaking into for example the zender wi-fi yeah but a honeypot comes up and breaks into that network. and the honeypot gathers information about the hacker's computer so mm. it stops the hacker attacking the network yeah and potentially you can then hack the hacker back because they yeah and the hacker will have no idea cool so with companies, you know, when they constantly get attacked, they usually set up a honeypot server. So the hacker will think he's gaining access to their network, but yeah. in reality, he's just giving away all this information. Cool. So have you set that up with quite a few of the companies you've worked with then? No, um, only with my home automation. Yeah. Okay. See, with cybersecurity, we don't respond to cyber attacks. We give yeah. that to a company called CERT. They're the ones who deal with cyber incidents and cyber responses. Okay, so you're just finding. Yeah, we, we're the ones that will consider. Okay, have you thought about broadening your services or are you just interested in hacking i have thought about broadening it but that will come in the future okay cool still in the startup phase yeah sure and then back to ai have you done a lot of reading around ai and where it's going like super intelligence the book or yeah so um one of the latest things at the moment is called neural networks yeah you heard of that 
uh, the book. No, neural networks. Just in general? Yeah. Yeah, so I've been doing a bit of um, machine learning stuff. Yeah. And so, yes, I have heard of neural networks. Um, so, you, yeah, what's your favorite thing about neural networks? Just the way it processes information. Yeah. It's like how a brain would process information. It's quite cool. Like, for example, the letter 9, right? Mm. You'll see a circle at the top and then a line at the bottom. Yeah. Instantly, you'll know it's a 9. Even if it's drawn, like, in a random way, like, yeah. a circle at the top and then line. A computer machine learning would look at every individual part, smallest bit of the, of yeah, the writing. Yeah, every single pixel. Yeah. And then it'll go from the first layer, depending on what it activates in the first layer, it'll send it to the second layer to be like, okay, are you sure it matches up and then yeah. it confirms it again and then it goes down and down and down so it's a hundred percent sure it knows what it's doing mm. it's this yeah essentially like a brain like you look at the letter nine you know it's a letter nine yeah yeah it's crazy how much better these things are getting number, like not letter yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you mentioned home automation stuff. So what home automation things have you got going on? Um, have you seen Jarvis from Iron Man? Mm, oh, yes. Yeah. So essentially you're in your house and you say, hey, Jarvis, how's it going? And it can talk to you. So it has its own personality. And you can say, Jarvis, you know, how's it going? What's the weather like? And if it's too cold in the room, it'll say, hey, it's below your desired temperature to heat pump on. Yeah. And you can just say, yeah, turn it on. How long do you want it on for? Set it for 30 minutes. And then other stuff with the AI is, um, for example, you leave your house. If you accidentally leave the stove on or a light on, it'll notify you. Yeah. Because it, it know it's it's creepy, but it knows where you are at all times. So you could be going to the shop, and it knows you're at the shop. And then when you come home, the garage knows you're at the garage. So it opens the garage for you. You can drive in. If it's nighttime, the lights will come on, depending yeah. on what rooms you go into. So you, you literally don't have to do anything at all. The, the system mm. knows what you're doing and what you need. Cool. Okay. You think you could run a service of just like setting people's home system up in like an awesome way yeah no, that's what we do so my sales team goes up to like the old guy that has a lot of customer base he goes up to them and says hey have you heard about um, home automation blah 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 yeah. and he talks to them about it and then he shows them my videos and asks if they want to install and it's really simple because all you do is you have an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi yeah. um, connected to a bunch of wires and switches and the program on that itself is pretty easy it's straightforward the AI comes from the phone so the phone communicates with the a um Arduino or Raspberry Pi and it tells it like for example turn on that light mm. so the phone sends a command to the Arduino telling it to turn on the light so it's yeah. really easy to set up in houses cool okay um, I'm kind of interested in yeah just think looking at the world as a hacker just suddenly everything if you can hack it it's like okay so have you ever hacked into Uber to give yourself a free ride or a free pizza or anything like that um, I've, I've hacked Uber accounts yeah other people's Uber accounts to get free rides but I've never gone on from my account got a ride I've never yeah before. okay I haven't hacked Uber service, but there's people that do it. Cool. Or, like, say you rent a car for, like, a day, but then you change it, so you actually put it for a month or anything. Oh, yeah, that's how... Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I've never done it, but that would be super easy. Okay. How would you do that? So, when you book a car, they they write it on the system. They On the system, they say, okay, the day you bought it, the day you want to return it. Yeah. And then they save it to a file. Now, all it takes is me to plug in a USB for three seconds, unplug mm-hmm. it, and then modify that file. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, when I um, booked the car, the lady ran away for sort of literally five minutes. Minutes, I just stood next to her computer yeah. whilst she was dealing with something. So you could have plugged in USB and accessed that computer at the time you want. Yeah. And booked the car for an extra month and say it's been paid for. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I need to get hold of that USB, apparently. <laughs> cool. You ever, like, got yourself gig tickets or... You see, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely neurotic and cautious, so... Yeah. When I do a hack, it's not for personal. Mm. It's to either have a laugh or to fuck up the system. Okay. See, if I hack Uber from my account and Uber finds out that they've been hacked, it's traced back to me. Yeah. I'll get done for it. 
Cool. So probably a good philosophy on hacking. Yeah. Have you got any other major life tips that you've learned along the way? Yeah, just don't fucking trust people, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that don't don't trust people. Make sure your Wi-Fi is turned off when you go into town. Don't join open Wi-Fi networks in town. Because mm. I mean, you know, as soon as you join the network, someone will have access. Sure. Okay. Um, as a life tip, that seems a bit negative. Saying don't ever trust people is just I'm quite trusting, but certainly in the eyes of a hacker, I'm definitely like, okay. Actually, yeah. See, so I would definitely not want to trust people. Uh, do you feel that like you are just less trusting in general because if you are in the world of hacking yeah. that you're talking about, so it's kind of nicer to be perhaps more in like the rest of the world where you're not worrying about these things so much? If I wasn't a hacker, I would, I would be more trusting people. I'd be open and, and whatnot. Like when you came here and you said you wanted to interview me, yeah. initially I was like, well, what if he's a cop? Like, that's just my mentality. Like, <laughs> you know, there could yeah, be a yeah, chance point. That, that he could be trying to get all this information from me. Yeah. Like, it, it's always, I'm always second like question yeah so my trust levels are extremely low mm, yeah it's hard to be so present in the moment when you've always got like that second line of thought going on yeah uh, so it, it does it does fuck you up <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> it's nice to see there's two sides of like the good and the bad going on it's like oh it's so exciting oh it's really shit oh <laughs> yeah if you're a blackhead hacker it's it is scary um mm. if you do more ethical hacking it's way more yeah you don't have to look behind your back every day oh that's good to hear <laughs> okay what what is your most vivid memory from childhood or like the first thing you remember um my third birthday I was eating a cake that had a fire truck on it sounds awesome I don't know why I apparently love fire trucks cool yeah that was my first memory and then being from South Africa because I came here when I was 11 so a lot of memories I have is gunshots having AK-47 pointed out like trying to run going because we used to carpool as well so we're driving my mum's car to the shops and then going to someone else's car to get a ride to school with them yeah but running from mum's car to their car like in my sister's jacket she was covering me up because we had guns pointed at us so we were fucking sprinting and trying not to get shot wow yeah that's what I remember from there and then (laughs) I went back two years ago and same shit happened. I was in a pub. I approached this guy and I said hello in English. Yeah. And he didn't speak English. So he headbutted me, put a gun to my head and said I have to leave the country. Wow. So yeah, that's why I came back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> so a lot of my memories from South Africa is shit. Yeah. A lot of violence. That's super extreme. Crikey. Yeah, have you been following South Africa in general then? Like, has it always been interesting to you to see like, how the country's doing? It's not interesting. It's more funny. Yeah. Like, if, if you look at the old president, Jacob Zuma, like, like, motherfucker can't even count. Um, if you watch YouTube videos of him, it's fucking hilarious. He can't pronounce words. He'll be reading a, a line and he's like, yeah, he just cannot pronounce words. He can't say numbers. Yeah. He says like a couple million. He'll be like, one million, one thousand, two thousand, three hundred, five. It's it's just really fucking hilarious. And he's the president. Mm. Yeah. Crikey. So it's, it's more funny than, than interesting. Yeah. No, that's not bad. Okay. Do you have any routines and habits to kind of help keep yourself sane? Not routines. Um, I try and like mix up my routine all the time. Just just because I'm fucking neurotic and because of what I've done. And I know a lot of my friends have people like private investigators after or police after them. And after a while, the police, if the police monitor you, they know your habits. They know what you do. They know where you go. So, for example, five o'clock tonight, I know this guy's going to be at the pub. So I try and mix things up so no one can really guess what I'm going to next. Okay, cool. So does that mean you also try and just always do things various? Like one day you'll order like a pineapple pizza, but the next day it's like, <laughs> I'll never have pineapple again. It's just going to be random. Yeah, like a different order. Taste. Yeah. 
Okay. It, it's, it's weird to explain. It's just I try and not do things the same over and over yeah. again. I try and be different. Okay. And then so they're kind of annoying that you can never have like the same routine. So I find that's a bit hard as when you're being a nomad. It's sometimes really nice to just like stay have in place for two weeks and have a bit of a routine yeah. and like know what's going to happen next. Yeah. It, it is good having a routine, but I've got so used to mixing things up. It's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So it's like a new thing every day. Okay. It's kind of cool. So you are living as a nomad though at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm right now at a backpacker and I'm going to go back to Wellington and stay at a backpacker there as well. Yeah. The thing about that is because of my fucking horrible suicidal tendencies, I find it safer to be around people. Yeah. So definitely. I don't, if I'm <laughs> alone in a house with my thoughts, like it can get pretty fucking insane. Wow. Interesting. Um, so yeah, do you ever take drugs? Oh yeah, um, a shitload of weed, as much as smoke, yeah. usually. Um, so you not worry that like slow you down a lot? Yeah, it slows me down. I I can't, it sounds weird, but I can't program when I'm sober. No like, way. I write a couple lines of code when I'm sober and just give up, it's not interesting. Yeah. Where I have a couple of joints and then I'm writing like 2,000 lines of code in an hour. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I had a friend that sort of, what's a good coder, but then you're just always really negative about it. But if you're on acid, you'd be like, what, coding? And you're yeah. like, bro, what? <laughs> Have you taken so much acid? I can't even see. What are you doing? <laughs> that's mental. Yeah, that's really interesting. Maybe I should try taking more drugs when I'm coding. It seems to be going all right for me with that. And then also because I was put on antidepressants, I found weed is a lot better. Yeah. It does the same thing and there's no side effects to it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's what, it depends. For me, weed kind of has a bit of a side effect. It gives me like anxiety and stuff and oh, actually right. makes me more depressed. Um, so yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, when I first started smoking, I used to always get paranoid. Yeah. yeah oh, maybe it's just like mindset. I used to hate smoking weed yeah and then i don't know what click but all of a sudden love. yeah well if it works it works i guess do you have anything else that you would say you're sort of addicted to or anything other than hacking and weed and that's really that's mainly what my life consists of yeah is being on my computer trying to break into systems having a bit of fun yeah and smoking shit out of weed what would happen if uh you didn't have weed or a computer for a whole week yeah i'd lose my mind okay absolutely lose my mind yeah yeah with weed it's okay uh, since i've been down here i haven't had any mm. I've been completely fine, but if computer. someone took my computer away, yeah, I'd lose. <laughs> what if they didn't keep, take your computer away, but you just couldn't use it, but you knew it was safe? I oh, know, I just, I just couldn't imagine a lot without me being on, on a computer for <laughs> a single day without using computer. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I just um, I went to a thing called a Rainbow Gathering last month, which is like a no tech kind of like hippie community thing, and it was actually really nice. But it was a bit stressful just not being able to use it. And it's a bit of like a, you know, when you try to get into like a cold swimming pool and it's like, oh, fuck's sake, oh, <laughs> you can't do it. And if you just jump in, it's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It was kind of like that. As in, like, you just jump in, like in the stressful, and like no one has any tech. And suddenly it's like, oh, this is quite nice. Like, because no one was ever on their mobile phone or anything. And no one even knew what the time was. And everything was very like, you just spoke to everyone. Everyone was really warm. And it's kind of cool. And it was just nice, like how much time you have in the day to do these other things that turns out you do like doing, like playing reading, going for walks and playing stupid games are cool. But I wonder if it would just make you feel yeah, yeah, so absolutely make me mental. mental. Interesting. So would do you feel like computer then is more sort of your friend or like the safest place to be? Yeah, like computer for me is essentially my best friend. I trust it. It won't fuck yeah. me over. I control what it does and it can't do anything bad to me. Mm. Whereas a person can. A person fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sometimes it is a bit weird when you're a bit stressed and you're just like, go on your computer and you don't even know why you're there. You're just like, oh, I just wanted to be on my computer. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, now I'm here. What are you going to do? <laughs> and yeah, it's like a human problem these days. Um, cool. Uh, and then is there anything else 
you wanted to add that we haven't spoken about? I think we covered one stuff. Yeah, I've covered quite a lot. Turn, you know, an hour and 12 minutes of conversation now. Oh, shit. Which is good. Um, and then is there anything else you want to ask me? Not that I can think of at the moment. Cool. No worries. Okay. Um, just to put your worries at rest on the uh, end of the podcast, it may take three to six months before I actually get around to editing and putting it live. Yeah, that's, that's um, good. So just in case you're like worrying like three months later, why is why is this guy not like put this anywhere or sent me a message? Uh, I have a backlog of like 20 other podcasts to get through and yeah. ideally I'd like to publish one a week but then sometimes life happens and it takes like two weeks maybe three weeks and just to be safe like I'm not going to give but... you a number or add you anything I'm just going to okay. keep it like that you can sure. post it yeah normally I um, take people's like Twitter handles so people can get in touch but I can uh, not do that yeah just because I, I, yeah, I don't want this related to me at all yeah sure sure um, I did mention your name I think at the start but I could take that That's right. and pretty had... sure you didn't mention my last name and a lot of people have the name Dylan yeah the there's a lot of Sam Harris's <laughs> so even if your full name is pretty hard to find me on Facebook <laughs> but cool um, thanks a lot this is very really, really interesting no, thanks for that uh, is there a way I can ever get in touch with you somehow that would be like yeah over um, anonymous RC chat okay we'll work that out off the podcast I guess awesome well, yeah anyway thank you very much thank you uh, that was crazy <laughs> So that was a sick podcast. <laughs> I hope you agree, just to talk myself up a bit. I left the uh, nugget in at the end about me not publishing for six months or so, just as a bit of insight into the fact that I am still quite terrified of somehow giving him the impression that I'm an undercover cop or something. And to also announce the great news that I'm very nearly caught up with all my recordings from the year of travels that I've just had. So after a few more releases, we will be back in the present day and the show will start having content from like recent meetings and things. So that's going to be awesome and really, really happy about that. Uh, we're also going to have a review episode from my year of traveling the world at the same time as making money whilst doing it, which um, should hopefully give you guys some insights into how to be more of a nomad and have fun and do things like meeting mental people and stuff. So that would be a great way to round off the season. And then next season, I'm going to have some amazing, cool entrepreneurs and scientists and just fantastic people lined up already for the show. So I'm super excited about things. Um, yeah, one other interview uh, in this uh final season wrap up is introduced me to the dark web where he put me in touch with an actual real life hitman like totally legit this person spends his life killing people for money which is mental completely mental it's a concept that i thought only existed in movies and i don't know didn't really feel like actually going on right now kind of thing but yeah totally totally a thing you can get people killed for money, which I guess makes sense. Um, I did almost meet him, but logistics were very complex. And to be honest, the audio would have been terrible because to be able to meet him, I would have to be in a moving car in India, which is just like a double awful on sound. And he also would need to be wearing a helmet and the mask kind of thing. And um, yeah, so it would have been terrible. And then, yeah, just never quite managed to be able to meet up anyway. And maybe it's for the best that I haven't ever met a real life hit man and perhaps he doesn't have a reason to kill me in the future so that's nice for me um but we did get to have a conversation and it is quite mind-blowing and i'm sure you will learn lots from that as well this season so exciting times for the podcast back to this episode it was a really interesting experience just talking to about all the kind of hacks and leaks and exposures that you're around all the time. He actually demo hacked a few websites for me, just probably to show off. Um, but yeah, it was pretty fun. And uh, we didn't do anything malicious with 
uh, what we found. It was just more of a, uh, this is how you do it. And he did hack the Wi-Fi network that we were on. And yep, that was ridiculously easy. It took like five seconds. Um, so he seems to know what he's talking about and it's quite legit. And he definitely does have a buttload of Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stealing 45 Bitcoin is mental. I would definitely live in permanent fear that someone was going to send a hitman after me if I'd done that, which especially now that I know that hitmen exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would not be doing any stealing of Bitcoin anytime soon. But my main take homes from the podcast... One, don't trust people with your stuff. With all the data issues lately, this seems fairly poignant, but remember to share the least amount of data you can with any company. Keep your public profiles limited where possible, and more importantly, use two-factor authentication for literally any account of any value. And never go onto public Wi-Fi, uh, just don't do it. And absolutely never leave your computer turned on when you leave a room, which is something I've definitely been guilty of when going to like the toilet if I'm working in a cafe, for example. Just don't do it. Three seconds is all a hacker needs to get control of your computer and then they can steal all of your Bitcoin or bank accounts or anything else that you've got on there. So it's just not worth it for just shutting your computer lid for a few seconds. Learn more about networking. In general, I've never known that much about how many vulnerabilities there are and how the world around me works that I interact with every day. So learning more about networks and networking is now a much higher priority for me and seems a little bit ironic as I spent a year with partly working as a network engineer. Um, but yeah, I don't know half of what's going on. So I think we can all learn a bit more about networks. Three, don't be a dick. The world of hacking and getting free money can seem very appealing, but it super messes with your head and can lead to putting you into situations that you just can't go back from. So even making this interview, I felt a little bit like I was on a border of like a cliff that I could never come back up if I went too far down it, if you know what I mean. And knowing too much is just... Uh, yeah, kind of a dangerous thing to do if you um, then become a target for someone. So yeah, generally stay away from the world of hacking and bad things and the appeal of free money or anything is never as good as it sounds and it will always come at a cost. Sticking to purely ethical hacking is just an absolute must if you want to go into the area. And if Dylan's inspired you to look more into hacking and things, then just, just play it safe, be clean. Like, don't fuck up other people's lives. There's no need to because it might well come back and bite you as well. On to books. We only spoke briefly about books. I mentioned The Red Queen by Matt Ridley, which is a great book for those interested in science or business and technology, kind of about the endless cycle to outcompete and just to be able to maintain where you're at. So it is relevant really in most things, even though the book is specifically about biology. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And I would really recommend it. And yeah, that's about it said he'd send me some news about any potential crazy hacks that were going on with Anonymous if he's involved, but he obviously did not provide any details. And so I have no idea if I will become a source of potential big attacks and things or if I'll um, never hear about anything again. But who knows? And I'll be happy to share any cool stuff that's going on and news and things. And on that note, I hope you learn lots about the world that you live in and interact with every day and that you feel a little bit smarter and wiser and that you have two-factor authentication for all of your Bitcoin. And if you are feeling super smarter now about the world around you, thanks to the content on this episode, try and think of just one friend who would benefit from hearing this podcast as well and try sending it to them because you can do both me and them a massive favor and then life will be wonderful and fantastic and I will be very happy and so will you because you've done something nice. And yeah, have an amazing week and I will talk to you again soon in the next episode. Boom. So firstly, just to do a quick sound check.
Uh, what did you have for breakfast? But uh, vodka. <laughs> yeah, vodka. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> You've listened to an episode of the Growth Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your preferred app and give me a good rating. If you are unable to give good feedback right now, try sharing the show with a friend who will, or just wait for the show to improve. If you have any ideas for the show or you just want to reach out, I'd love to talk to you. On Twitter, I am at Sam Harris Tweets or Instagram, Sam Jam Snaps. Show notes, along with links to everything that we discuss, are available at growthmindsetpodcast.com, along with information on how to get involved and blog posts on cool things that we should be aware of. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy your next podcast.